Have you all seen the news today? I mean, God, there's so many different things we could talk about. But the thing, I'm going to tell you, I'm going to tell you. I like the thing that is like on my mind is just, sorry, what was it? Yes, ceasefire. Absolutely. There is a ceasefire that has already been broken by Israel. But there is a ceasefire, and this is really important. I think that, you know, as we said last week, so much of the pressure that's been going on uh, all around the world, all of these actions that people have, doing, have, been, have been engaging in, I don't think that that ceasefire happens without all of that happening. So if you folks have been involved in that stuff, like, it, it really does matter. Yeah, it that's does. Right. It's, a, it's, a, it's, it's really, really important. But in addition to that, the thing that has, is like really just like at the top of my mind, at the tip of my lips, tip of my tongue, my lips don't have tips, um, is uh, have you folks seen this news about this pre-dawn raid of some activists' homes in Toronto? That happened, yeah, um, uh, just a day ago or two days ago? Basically, if you've seen, I mean, we've seen like there's this like weird like McCarthyist sort of attack on people who are supporting Palestine. And so there was an action at an indigo store in Toronto where people threw red paint and pasted posters up on the store. And targeting Indigo, of course, because the Indigo CEO, Heather Reisman, is, a, is the head of a foundation that encourages people to join the Israeli military who are not from Israel. And so the, 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 the campaign um, to, to target Indigo and to target Heather Reisman has been going on for years, certainly since I was an undergrad, and uh, is a campaign to say, like, this is, like, a murderous thing. Like, what are you doing? You know, so having a foundation, trying to get people uh, to join uh, this occupation force. And so, of course, as one of the actions of the many actions that have been happening, I mean, it's, like, washable red paint and posters, now, like pre 5:30 a.m., uh, a, a bunch of activists, their homes were like, uh, you know, like the police like uh, busted down their doors, broke front doors, like raided their homes, arrested people in front of their children, like were going through uh, their their uh, possessions and belongings. Like if you've if you've seen and heard of these sorts of raids happening for like drug busts, it's the basically the exact same thing that they did uh, to these activists and charged them with mischief over five thousand dollars, which is like I don't know what cleaners. <laughs> 
y'all are employing the to, to get this washable paint off of this glass in downtown Toronto, but you could have just waited for precipitation. Like it's it's uh it's it's pretty outrageous and. I think that that's uh, kind of what we want to talk about tonight. Like, what is happening? Like, what is happening? <laughs> what is happening? You asking me? Yes. Nor- I, I, uh, what the fuck is happening? You didn't come to hear what we think's happening, did you? <laughs> okay, you did. All right, all right. It's funny because we've been, you know, we we don't get to see each other, right? We a lot of people know this. We record the podcast over the phone, so we don't see each other. We don't get to look at our faces. Um, and so being able to spend, you know, the last couple of hours together in Winnipeg has been wonderful. And the number of times that you have finished a sentence by saying, what? what is happening? It's been a lot. I think yeah. it's been like six times. It has. Um, and, and I think that that, is, that, that captures a quintessential question right now. Uh, because the other thing that both of us have said a lot, and I'm sure you are also thinking this too, is I can't believe this is happening. Yeah. You know, like I can. I know. I know the cops are going to do this. I, like, we, were, we were around the G20. We know the cops raided a gym full of activists and had guns pointed in people's faces as they woke up. We know that this happens. I mean, I'm literally writing a book about police where, like, today, like, on the plane getting here, I was writing about how police destroy democracy and this is how. (laughs) And I saw this news when I got off the plane and I was like, how the fuck? I was still somehow, like, just shocked out of myself because it just seems so impossible that that would be allowed. How could that be allowed? Like, I just, you know... I'm a lawyer or something. <laughs> Not really, but kind of. <laughs> and, you know, studying this sort of stuff in the States and, like, the bar that the police need to cross in order to do that, like, what they need to, to, to get uh, in order to, um, to do that sort of, like, a no-knock warrant, what they have to prove. They have to say, this person is a flight risk. They're going to leave, blah, 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 like all sorts of things. And I'm like, I know that that couldn't possibly, I just, it couldn't possibly have happened in this case because so many of these activists have been active for a long time and perhaps have been arrested previously for actions. And so I just like, I don't, I just, how is this allowed, Nora? How is it allowed? See, you're pulling back the curtain and showing people that we also have doubts. <laughs> We're also not sure of what's going on. So, you know, it is, it is a really... And this is something that I realized during the G20, actually. Who was in Toronto during the G20? Anyone in this room? Yeah. That was a weird thing, right? It was, that was fucking strange, right? I remember being in the student center at my university, and there was, like, a guy who had pleats in his golf shirt... And we were like, cop. (laughs) That guy's a cop. And we we called campus security. And we're like, he's not invited. (laughs) And campus security's like, oh, okay, sure. Yeah, we'll remove him. We're like, see you later, cop. But, um, you know, we actually saw these undercover police officers all the time. And And then the folks... There was, you know, different kinds of organizing that was happening, and the students were a little bit outside. There was the radical organizing and the labor organizing, and they kind of met in some cases, and the students played, not played both sides, but we were involved with kind of both, both sides. And it, <laughs> the, tre- the treasurer's secretary note-taker of, like, the radical group turns out to be a cop. 
right? I know in Winnipeg, I don't know, anyone here from Winnipeg, please cause harm? Yeah. <laughs> I know similar, like there's, there's stories, right? This stuff happens in other cities than just Toronto. Mm -hmm. And even still, it is shocking to know that like literal friends of ours, people we've worked with, had guns pointed in their face this morning or yesterday morning and, and taken out of bed. Police watched them get dressed. Police took them down to the police station because they painted a, a fucking indigo. I mean, it's the fucking worst bookstore in the world anyway. Like, for Christ's sakes, they don't carry my books, so fuck them. Um, you can get it online, though. But, you know, McNally Robinson is where you should be buying all your books, as you all know, right? Yes, yes, yes. Um, and so it is a very much like, oh, oh, we, th this is a new level because at least i mean what they did during the g20 was not justifiable and it was it was bad people went to jail right five people did 18 months in jail prison jail i forget prison prison jail doesn't matter the provincial one and um and it was over uh conspiracy charges which is like on paper not putting paint on a fucking building. I mean, mm -hmm. they didn't do conspiracy. The whole thing was trumped up. They had to take a plea bargain, whatever. But that was, that was like, okay, I can still see the state logic in this. Here we have a situation where it really is like, what are they doing? The police are just raiding activists now. Mm -hmm. And at the same time that this is happening, we also have the situation at McGill University. Anyone see this? Mm -hmm. Maybe. Mm -hmm. Maybe. Few people. Few people. The uh, student society has a referendum. In Quebec, tons of decisions have to have be made all the time. So they have referenda all the time on lots of stuff. Um, the student fee has to be like re-voted on regularly. And they had this vote on, on getting the student society to call on the university to not invest in and be associated with uh, apartheid states, including, and it's not even, they didn't even name Israel, but it's like including uh, what's happening in Palestine or something like this. And the referendum passes, record high turnout, still kind of low. Students are not the best voters, but it was 35%, but it was record high for the McGill Student Society. And it passed at 78.7%. Amazing. 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 And that's years of organizing and work and, and work and work and work and work. And B'nai Brith launches an injunction against the ratification of this vote. And a superior court judge grants the injunction. And there's no news about the jurisprudence of the case. No one's alleging that ballots were stuffed. No one's alleging that the uh, society didn't follow their rules. No one's alleging that there was a legal problem. B'nai Brith says that there's a student, an individual student who's anonymous, who feels attacked by the current campus climate. And that this referendum is part of that attack. If student politics can be the subject of court injunctions because of one student or, fuck, 10 students or 100 students feeling uncomfortable by a decision that's been taken, whatever is left of student organizing, which I mean is not in a great state right now, is over. Mm -hmm. And in the case of the McGill Student Society, they are delaying the ratification of this vote until March to respect the injunction. That's a whole academic year. So we're seeing increasing attacks on our democratic processes, our freedom of speech. And the question is like, to what end? Mm 
to support a country that is doing what is unjustifiable, right? I, I, that, that you can sit there and get really dark and thinking of how horrible this is, or your brain can be a normal brain-ish and go, well, I don't get this. This doesn't make any fucking sense. What the hell's going on? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I am. Um, <clears throat> you know, the thing that's happening at McGill, I, that has happened at so many institutions, not the injunction part, but the vote part, right? So that's also part of what's really strange about that situation that's like hard to get your head around or my head around. And then the, and the other thing is, is, you know, the courts. So we talked about the courts, the police, and then, you know, we have the media, Right? Like, if you look up these uh, pre-dawn raids of these activists that have been happening, uh, CP24 reported it in their headline as police conduct raids against hate-motivated attack, uh, activists who, who engaged in hate-motivated attack. Not allegedly, not square scare quotes. This isn't like, you know, like some some white supremacists attacking black people where you have to be really careful, right? And say like, racial issue, right? No, it says that this was a hate-motivated attack. And if you read the articles in, in not just CP24, but also CTV, they read as though that this is like a, a conclusion, that this is an anti-Semitic attack by people who hate Jewish people. And of the names of the activists, they name all the activists. They don't name them in alphabetical order or in any order that would make sense except like the first name that you read is clearly Muslim. And so, you know, like there's, there, I mean, we, we talked last week about how The Maple, um, which is an online uh, publication, is keeping track of these sorts of things. But it just makes me think about how for so long what, what Israel has been doing, uh, this occupation, and what Canada did and is doing and what the U.S. did and is doing in so many other places, it relies on silence. They rely heavily on silence. They rely on us not being able to tell each other what is actually going on. They rely on us not being able to communicate with the people who are directly impacted by the, the impacts of settler colonialism. And they rely on a media that will participate in that silence, that will not, um, that will not platform or report uh, the issues as they are happening and will instead report uh, what uh, is, is a sanitized version of whatever events they're talking about that, that supports that settler colonial regime. It relies on police who are going to take out people who are, um, who are going to be a challenge to, to that uh, to, to, to that norm that's been created. And it relies on the courts uh, to, to, to reproduce that and make it legal. And what's happening right now is it is impossible for that silence to continue because so many people are refusing and are finding ways around it. And we're seeing like what, what happens in silence buck up against like, like objective reality. I, I point out Nora because we were talking about objective reality earlier. Buck up against objective reality when now everybody knows it. 
now everybody knows what that objective reality is. And it, it doesn't make sense together. And the thing that that reveals is that it never fucking made sense. None of it ever made sense. But here we are um, with, you know, the forces of settler colonialism really struggling to try to hang on to all the power that it has to recreate this regime amongst a pretty massive paradigm shift. Yes, and I'm sure you so all... So that's what's happening. I just asked and answered my question. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure you all know about Arij al Kafaji, who is, was the president of the, of, the, of the nursing students in Winnipeg and has been uh, kicked out, I guess, um, because of having liked Palestinian posts. And Arij is, Liked posts? Right? Arij is not the, the only person. In fact, this is a growing, a majorly growing problem in Canada. And, um, and, you know, there's been journalists who've been disciplined. We know that CTV is, like, not allowing uh, or has been under-allowing journalists from use of the word Palestine. Uh, we, we know that in the medical profession especially, so it's not surprising here as someone in nursing, but then there's been lots of doctors who've been, um, who've been uh, kicked out of, you know, residencies or whatever. Tarek Lubani, who is known for his humanitarian work, uh, and is has done many uh, medicine, medita medicine and humanitarian trips to Gaza. He was just arrested uh, for, um, uh, and, I, and I mean, this is like, did he do this? Probably not, but whatever. He was at the protest. He was arrested for spraying ketchup on the office of, a, of an MP in London, Ontario. Okay? So, you know, we can, we can account for these things and we can detail these things, but I think what is so important is it's like, this is what state power looks like. Mm -hmm. And usually it's really hidden. Mm -hmm. Usually you have to be uh, doing some seriously fucking intense shit to see it. Or you have to be part of a community that's under tremendous surveillance. You know, I remember being a student activist and one of my friends like had a CSIS agent that would call him regularly mm -hmm, mm -hmm. because his community was under surveillance by CSIS and it was well known that they were. This was a, a Muslim community in Mississauga. Uh, but most people don't see that. Most people don't think that the government cares very much about what we do. And then all of a sudden when it matters, it becomes really clear. And then people get really scared. So one of the things that I, I really struggle with, you know, I wrote an article about um, uh, this, this conflict at Concordia University in Montreal, where because the student union just wasn't paying attention, uh, Solidarity for Palestinian Human Rights beside a pro-Israel group called Startup Nation had tables booked beside each other. Things were fine for a couple of hours, and then they de de degenerated, and then there was a you know a, a, a mix, a brawl, I guess, between the two sides. And when I was trying to get comment from students from Solidarity uh, for Palestinian Human Rights (SPHR), no one in the group would get, put their name to it. And as a journalist, I'm like, I, I mean, I can grant anonymity to a student, but I can't grant anonymity to a group. Like, if you're there as a group, there has to be someone in your group that will put their name to this. And they're like, no, everyone's too afraid. And that's what they want. That's what they want. They, like, like, Canadians are naturally afraid all the time, right? <laughs> we're fucking, like, I don't know what we're afraid of. Like, Groundhog Day is probably actually, like, really freaky, right? Because, like, oh, the shadow is there, right? Or, oh, there's no shadow. Okay, we're good. Actually, I don't remember what it is, if it's the good or the bad, if they see the shadow. Like, it doesn't matter, right? Because who the fuck cares? It's February. We're not even close to spring yet. For example, right? 
but we're very, we're very freaked out people. We're, we're like, I don't know. Like, I don't, like, I'm not, I'm not, I'm not scared right now. Are you, like, you're probably not that scared right now. No. But I don't know if, maybe, I don't know if you're feeling a little scared. You know, classic Tragically Hip song. Yeah? It's a great tune. It's one of the best. <laughs> but we, you know, but fear is, is, is control. We know that. That's basic. Fear is control. That's not, that's not, a, that's not a surprising thing to say. And yet, the p- real problem is that the way to fight fear is collectivity, doing things together. Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Which they have so fundamentally broken that we really struggle to rebuild the collectivity and the groups and the, and the, and the, the courage that comes out of being together. And, and they did it so well that it's like now we're looking back and going, holy fuck, like on the activism, like what even happened in the 2000s? What did we even do in the 2010s? We did Me Too. We did I Don't Know More. You know, there's, there's, there's really interesting and, and amazing things that have happened in the shadow of this stuff. But by and large, the, the, the effort to crush collective organizing in this country has been successful. And the groups that remain pose an existential threat to the continued existence of Canada. Mm-hmm. Right, which is sweet. Right? <laughs> <laughs> um, but what does Israel show us? Israel shows us our reality, but in a pressure cooker. Canada, but like in the size of the fucking island of Montreal. That's, no one in power wants us to see what's happening there. No, it's, it's just, it's like none of this should be allowed to happen. None of it, none of it. Nothing, nothing about the way that people in Canada have been able to respond to what's happening, have been able to raise their voices, and uh, and the way that they've either been ignored by media or completely tamped out, or all of this um, McCarthyist type of response should be allowed to happen. And yet, you know, people continue to do it, which is uh, really important, and I'm, I'm really happy that people can are continuing to do it despite all of the fear. But we can't, we cannot not acknowledge that that fear is having an impact. What it means to me is that like we have to to deepen the organizing as much as we can. Like we we just have to 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 do more. And and that, you know, again, you're like there's these like two things that are coming together that it's really really tough, you know, people are f- fearful of of losing what they have, you know, like last week, you know, when I was, I, I did, a, if you listen last week, there was like a very ranty part of me that came out. <laughs> it was like, the, the worst that could happen is not happening to you. And I was talking directly uh, to politicians in particular with that, uh, when I'm talking about that, because they're like, you know, I just, I'm just so angry at like how, uh, you know, just showing up to a rally or, you know, making a tweet is enough. It's like, <laughs> what? It's like, yay, that MP, he wrote a tweet. It's like, what? Like, they have power. Like, there are things they can do, especially, you know, if they're holding the balance of power. But when we're talking about people who, who don't have the same kind of power, when we're talking about average people, you and me, it's, it's different. It is different. 
And we can, we can have the same sorts of arguments about like what is risk really when you are living in one of the wealthiest nations in the world and you're, you're able to, to um, you know, generally probably you're able to get on by. But I mean, risk is, relation, uh, is uh, relative and individual too, right? Like you, you know, I, I don't know what's happening in your life. You might, you might have a family, you might be in charge of children, you might be in charge of elder care, you might be struggling with something personally, whatever it is, you know, and that's a part of the calculus for everyone. I know that because it's, you know, it's part of the calculus for me. And so like when, when, when we are faced with, you know, your livelihood might be taken away and we're faced with there's an ongoing genocide where a humanitarian pause, whatever the fuck that means, cannot even be uh, respected for within a day, in less than a day, right? Like there's, there's a genocide happening. Our governments are not responding properly. And like uh, liking tweets, liking Instagram posts, posts gets you fired. What world are we living in? Like this is the reality of our government. And the, and the truth is that this should lay bare for all of us is that for those of us who've been doing other types of organizing, specifically indigenous organizing, like black radical organizing, that sort of stuff has been happening. It is only now being made visible on a broader scale because this movement is so popular that now we're seeing more people who are beyond those movements being impacted in the same way as people who fight for decolonization and people who fight for different types of movements that are uh, really threatening to the state what we're seeing now is what has always been. It's just that for some of us, it was more invisible than it has uh, than it than it can be in this moment because you know the the state has to show its hand. So now what? Right, like the government only exists as it does, policing only exists as it does, and you know the courts and so on. All of that only exists because of our acquiescence. Like it. It, it, it's all very shaky, right? Like, like, if there's one thing I learned about the law in law school, is like, oh, this is all bullshit. <laughs> like, none, none of it really matters or makes sense unless someone makes it matter and makes it make sense, right? Like, there, there are ridiculous laws that remain on the books that no one follows and nobody cares. Why? Because, you know, like, we don't respect it, so we don't provide it with like our acquiescence and and the state doesn't enforce it because it doesn't care. Like horses have to wear diapers in public. Is that a thing? I don't know, that was on The Simpsons. Yeah, yeah, sure, exactly. <laughs> I mean, in my book I use some, some examples about like how there's still some laws on the books about how people can't like cohabitate if they're not married because it's like lewd and, la what's the word, lascivious? <laughs> it's know. lewd and lascivious. <laughs> Some of, those, some of those laws still exist, and nobody cares. Why? Because we don't respect it, and the state doesn't enforce it. And unless there's, like, there's like an acquiescence to these things, right? If they're like, there's like a, you know, a secret kind of like handshake somewhere where people are like, yeah, okay, we're, we're going to make this one matter. Unless we agree, it doesn't actually matter. It's all a very shaky foundation. 
So what do we do when we're in a place where the state has showed its hand? It's like, this is who we really are. We will come and get you pre-dawn if you, <laughs> if, you, if you take some washable paint and fucking toss it on some glass downtown, we will come and get you. And like the apparatus, like our institutions are saying, we will fire you. We will make it so that you cannot like feed yourself, feed your family. Like you, you, you can't live your life when you say genocide is bad. It's just like, it's such a mind fuck, but then like, what do we do? We, we have to show, like it is upon us now, like to, to show that we don't agree with this in a reality when we might be scared. Do you know what my favorite law is? No. Did you know that it's illegal to frighten the queen? Oh, yeah, I did. I, you know what? I did know that that was your favorite law. I did know that. We've talked about this before, and I'm ashamed that I didn't bring it up. You can't, you can't scare the queen. I mean, yeah. She's dead, so you literally can't do that. But, yeah, that's, that's good news. But, and, uh, and it's a capital offense, actually. It's a capital it's offense. A capital offense. Right. It's uh, punishable by death in Canada. <laughs> Yeah. Um, so don't don't freak the queen out. She's also not allowed to take a dump in a toilet that's been used by someone else. So I'm not kidding. Um, she's not doing that anymore. She's dead, right? Charles can't take a dump in a toilet that someone else has been in. Um, and so when they come to Canada, they have to like build new toilets for them. Anyway, it's that's true. Um, and uh, thank you to my friend who used to be in the RCMP to tell me all of that because he did a, a queen visit detail um, many many years ago, and I got to learn lots of interesting things. Um, There's a lot that we acquiesce to that we probably shouldn't. <laughs> probably. I mean, we should force that guy to take a dump in the porta bodies like everyone else. God, Charles. Um, you know, in Canada, uh, the number of people who've been killed by far-right violence uh, surpasses 20 in the last, like, six or seven years, right? Maybe, maybe a couple more years, maybe eight years. And, uh, and far-right violence... You know, violent, like murderous violence, not necessarily the other kinds of violences that we might talk about. But far-right violence has been on the increase in this country. And government doesn't care. You know, like there's, there's no pre-dawn raids of people that do this stuff. Like, they usually have to turn themselves in. Mm -hmm. Right? I can think of many cases where that was, that was the situation, where the actual murder... I mean, in Quebec City, they, they arrested a member of the mosque the night of the shooting uh, at, the, at, the, at, the, at La Grande Mosquée in, in uh, Saint-Foy. They arrested him, or they, they held someone who was a member of the mosque. And the actual shooter uh, got 40 minutes down the highway before he called 911. And a 911 operator kept him on the line before the police could localize him. So, you know, we're, we're like, one thing that has been laid bare is the power of the far right in this country and how much the government actually doesn't give a fuck about the rise of the far right. And I mean, anyone doing progressive organizing and anti-racist organizing knows that. Um, but to see it so clearly laid bare is really like shocking and, and quite like, oh my God. And, you know, when you were talking, I was thinking about, okay, so we've got Trudeau, who sucks, like colossally, He's propped up by Singh, who sucks in a totally different but equal fucking way. And then we got fucking New Eyes Polly Ever. <laughs> what? All right, I don't like I don't like his eyes. Okay, it's like put your glasses back on. Right? 
You don't look good. You look fucking weird. Okay. And uh, and I don't know if you saw this this like this past week. So there was this guy uh, who was going like really fast at the border crossing in Niagara Falls, and there's actually video of it. His car looks like it. Have you seen this? I haven't seen it. I read the stories. It was a Bentley that was like. It was a Bentley that went like 200 miles an hour and like drifted so off. Like 200 in, miles an hour. You have to see the video. You will not believe how fast this car is going. It's like a, it's like a movie set, and it flies into the sky like almost into heaven and becomes a star, right? I mean, explodes right and kills two people. Oh my god! Horrible. But we've got nothing but dark humor, so let's laugh about it. Um. But instantly, Polly Ever was like terrorism, right? Yeah. And so I don't know if you saw this, like this jousting within the press gallery in Ottawa, where journalists tried to kind of like trap the fact that he was Polly Ever was obviously getting his news from Fox News because that was the only media saying it was terrorism, and Polly Ever like eats these journalists' breakfast as they're trying to challenge him. And he's super smug and he's just like, huh, well, didn't you know that Trudeau also said that terrorism was being investigated and all this kind of bullshit. And, and watching journalists, and this is just one example that happened yesterday, um, but, or two days ago, but watching journalists try to contend with Polyever, mm. for me, is like the biggest red flag of what's coming next. Mm. No one knows how to deal with these people. And, you know, I was at their convention, kind of. <laughs> Uh, they, they, they wouldn't allow me there. I had to look at dead eyes, fucking Sarah fucking Fisher, who's like the deadest eyed fucking wench I've ever seen in my life. Whoa, not wench. Yeah. <laughs> Damn. I didn't know how sexist I can get, so I'll leave it at wench. <laughs> um, she's the director of comms and, um, and, you know, made the call that I wasn't allowed into the convention and I was like fuck you, I'm going to stand here and make your life awkward, which I did for like two hours or three hours, or maybe it was four hours. Um, but, you know, in that experience, I was like, this is the crisis. So we have this increasing state power given like through the courts and through police and, you know, thanks to the, the benevolent liberals. And Polly Ever is going to be in power the second Doug Ford fucking croaks or is croaked or whatever. Um, just because there's not enough people in Ontario and Ottawa. So when someone's in power in Toronto, like all the brain people are there and the non-brain people are in Ottawa. And then when the brain people are like, fuck, this is getting bad, they move to Ottawa and then there's jobs and the non-brain people go to Toronto. That's how it actually works. That's how Canada is run, by the way. It's why Toronto matters is where the brain people are. Um, <laughs> and, and so the second that the brain people all abandon Ford, which they're on their way to joining Polly Ever, that's when he's going to win. And, 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 and that is really, I think, like, when Polly ever has these powers, we won't be going, what? We'll be going, oh, my God. Yeah. Yeah, so um, that's not good. Uh, Did you want to end on that note? No, no, no. I do want to talk about, like, one other thing that, like, you, you kind of mentioned a little bit. It's the, it's the, like, who benefits the most from all of this. And you might think Israel, but it's not. Like, Israel doesn't really benefit from some activists, like, being arrested in a pre-dawn raid uh, in Toronto. Not, it, it doesn't really. Like, maybe in the long term, if people are too scared to do anything, but I'm telling you they've lost that battle. People will continue to be out on the streets, 100%. I have, I have you know, we're not going back to that silent place that has, yeah, yeah. We're not going back to that silent place 
that allowed for the paltry bullshit media and the way that we have been not engaging in this issue that we are a part of here in Canada. No, we're not going back there. But who benefits the most is actually white supremacist organizing, white supremacist organizing from all of this. Like, because that because there is a, a rise in anti-Semitism that has been happening, but it's it's not from where the media is saying that it's coming from, or from where um, some of this stuff that we're seeing online, this McCarthyist stuff that we're seeing, it's not from that. Uh, it is it's from from concerted white supremacist organizing that has been organizing against indigenous communities, racialized communities, and and Jewish communities, uh, and they've been like unbelievably successful over the last 15 to 20 years at making their cause not no longer fringe like they've been able to make it more mainstream and when they act we don't see the kind of fervor from the state um, that that we're seeing right now trying to tamp down on what is a threat to the state and that is a big problem because it lets them off the hook. They get to do, continue to do what they're doing. And then we don't get to, to, to organize effectively against that. And that, it, it, like, if I'm going to be admitting to be afraid of anything, it's that. That's what I'm really, really fearful of. The power that we do have is so obvious. I know that folks, like, okay, people listening to the podcast, it's Tuesday, I get it. Tomorrow, which is not tomorrow on the podcast, on Saturday, there's a rally. And I assume many of you will be out in the streets of Winnipeg and all across Canada, again, showing solidarity with folks in Palestine. And that is where the hope is. The hope is also in the message that we're hearing from politicians that they know what we care about. Mm -hmm. Right to left, take the political spectrum out of this. People are worried about affordability. People are worried about the cost of food. The people are worried about um, you know, retirement and, and really basic things. And we're the ones with the fucking answers to those mm -hmm. things. Not Polly Ever, not fucking Trudeau. Jugmeet Singh probably doesn't care, right? We're the ones with the answers to these things. And that gives me a ton of hope because... We just need to organize. That's all it takes. The problem, of course, that organizing is, is hard. And that's why, we're, that's why we're in these spaces together. Mm -hmm. So I think that that is where the hope is. And in that hope, there's joy. That's better. That's better. <laughs>